Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name's Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. looking at these different Bible verses that have often been taken out of context. We don't see the full picture of what was being conveyed. And within that, sometimes it loses what was originally intended when the text was written. We looked at texts from Philippians, from Jeremiah. Last week, we had texts from Matthew. And this week, we're going to look at some texts from the book of James, which is kind of quickly becoming one of my more favorite books. But With that being said, uh, opening up, there's a story I want to share about a gentleman named Ed Dobson. Now, Ed was kind of a Christian writer, theologian, if you will, and he wanted to take it upon himself to live like Jesus for a full year. Now, I know, you know, we often try to live like Jesus, you know, that's the basis of our faith, but he really, really wanted to live like Jesus for a full year. Now, he's not going to do it perfect. He's human. He's not going to get it right. He's going to do his best, but he's also not Jesus, so he's not going to do 100%. So he shares about his stories about trying to live like Jesus, and there's one particular story he shares where he goes down to Key West. I don't know if I would have gone to Key West if I'm trying to live like Jesus, but that's a different question. So he goes down to Key West, and he talks about there's a story where there's a gentleman asking for some money, said, hey, can you help someone out? Well, there's a couple options you can do, and he recounts these different options. First thing is you can give money, but you're kind of wondering, is this doing more harm than good? Am I going to encourage bad behavior or bad habits? So that's one option. Second option is you can say, hey, there's a restaurant right down here. Let's go grab a meal. I'll buy you a meal. This is what I tend to do. Not necessarily saying that's the correct way, but that's what I tend to do. You get a little conversation with this person instead of just dismissing them for whatever reason. Third is you can pour out different organizations that can help these people. Key West has a lot of them. I've done a mission trip down there. There are a lot of great organizations. So he thought, okay, maybe I can do this. Well, he chose the fourth option, which was to do nothing. And so he kind of just ignored the gentleman and he kept walking And eventually, the gentleman said, come on, can't you help out a vet? And so he said, well, you know, my oldest son or my youngest son is serving in the military. And he talks about how that kind of struck a chord with him. So he ended up, he goes back, he gives the gentleman money and just says, God bless you. And he goes on his way. Well, he shares how he felt good about himself. He said, yeah, I I did the right thing here. But then he talks about how that feeling quickly disappeared because he realized that he did it for the wrong reasons. He says, still, what caused me to give to him the money was not really my responsibility to follow Jesus, but the fact that he was a veteran. So after my initial euphoria, I realized I'd done the Jesus thing for the wrong reasons. Anybody else been in that situation? Done something not necessarily for the right reasons, but maybe for your own gain. Maybe you do something to help somebody out, and it's just like, I just don't want to deal with the guilt, so whatever, I'll do it. 
Maybe you don't want to get in trouble, whether it's a place at work or it's at the home or whatever. Just, I just want to do this just so I don't have to deal with it. You know, we do these things, the right thing maybe, but for the wrong reasons. And I think that's what our text in James is speaking directly to. So let's go ahead, let's dive in and read our text from James and this direction that he is giving us. James says this, fourth chapter, third verse, it says, And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, to which we say, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you for the beautiful morning of worship that we have experienced your presence in a powerful way. I would pray as we move into this time of proclamation that you would be with me, that I would speak your glory above all else, and if necessary, to move me aside so again the cross can be proclaimed. God, I would pray for all the folks who would hear these words, that you would speak to them, open their eyes, their ears, their hearts, their minds, to hear the word that you have for each and every one of them. It's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. So the book of James, as I mentioned, quickly growing in popularity uh, in my mind. Um, The book of James is written by what is widely accepted to be the earthly brother of Jesus. Now, this is not the brother of Jesus who saw Jesus in his full divinity while Jesus was still alive. It was after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected that he had an encounter with Jesus and James then fully believes, which I got to admit, that's probably a weird situation to be in. Your brother or sister like, oh, you, you are God. Okay. Um, probably not something that we think about a lot, but I'm sure it was an interesting feeling. But even more so, this is James that fully knows Jesus and still chooses to follow Jesus, seeing that he is the son of God. Now, another thing I heard about James, which tracks, is that James is kind of marked as the most bossy giving a lot of directives, giving a lot of guidance. It's kind of seen as both a wisdom book and an epistle, a letter at the same time. But it gives a lot of direction and guidance for practical Christian living. Do this, do this, do this. It has almost like an authoritative tone. One writer writes that his writing style, this is referring to James, James leaves little room for ambiguity or interpretation. And what's happening a lot of times in James's writing is there's a lot of challenging of hypocrisy, of living that was going on that wasn't authentic. And so James warns against the hypocrisy and encourages this authentic faith. But what are we talking about? What is James referencing when he says, when you ask? The big theme is prayer. I'm glad you asked. Yes, prayer. Um, <laughs> James, when we go to God in prayer and are asking for things, this is what James is giving us direction on. And I think it goes without saying, but it's important to say that we are urged to approach God through prayer. This is how God builds relationship with us. This is how we build relationship with those around us, is through communication. And that main avenue is through prayer. God wants this relationship with us. Philippians 4, 6, Paul tells us this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. 
<clears throat> Similarly, in the Psalms, Psalm 145 says, The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. Now, this isn't 100%, but again, similar to our earthly relationships, when our prayer life is thriving, we can assume that our relationship with God is thriving, right? We're in communication, again, just like the folks around us. And when our relationship with God is thriving, we can assume our prayer life is thriving as well. Not 100%, but I can imagine it to be pretty close. But, again, just like our earthly relationships and conversations, what are the motives behind the conversation? When we engage God in prayer, what is pushing that along? And I think that's a pause for us, and this is what James warns about, warns about to take a moment to examine your motives. Do you see God as the vending machine? Go over, insert your prayer, hit B6, hopefully your wish comes out. Or like a genie, you just ask for things, just only things that will benefit you, hoping that it's what God eventually gives you? Or are you in prayer to build a relationship with God? Are you in communion with God so that your will eventually becomes God's will and God's will eventually becomes yours? In my years of youth ministry, there's been some very interesting situations I found myself in. Some of them I am blown away. Wow, the deep theological thought that has come up in this conversation is mind-boggling, thought-provoking, wise beyond the years. Other situations, not so much. You think, wow, I wouldn't have guessed that we could have written this any better in a book or a movie. Um, and a lot of that comes up in prayer requests. We have a time in our youth on Wednesday nights where we do prayer and praises, where we ask the kids, hey, what do you want to pray about? Where do you need God to show up? Where do you need direction and guidance? But we also say, what kind of praises can we lift up? Where have you seen God show up? And a lot of the times you get a really unique and sometimes special and intimate perspective on these kids' lives. I remember one time, there was a kid when I was doing youth ministry over in Suntree. This kid, he came every week. He was rough. He was tough. I mean, he was just, he didn't seem like he liked it there. He challenged everything. And I thought, this kid's not going to stick around. This kid's just trouble. Well, one night we had a chance to ask, what can we be in prayer for? And he raised his hand. We're like, okay, well, you know, what's he going to say? He said, I want to see my dad. I haven't seen him in six months because he's been in prison, and I want to talk to my dad. And I thought, okay, now I get it. This kid dropped the walls, showed us what was really going on in his life. And as I mentioned, you know, we get these prayer requests that come in. Sometimes you get these interesting, unique situations where the prayer request kind of becomes a little bit of a gossip circle, and you say, yeah, I've got a prayer request. Um, can we pray for Sally? Because we know that she likes Joey, and Joey is bad news. Um, you know, the other night, yeah, we were all at this house, and then you're like, you kind of try to shut it down. You're like, hey, no, that's, a, that's, that's too much information. You try to shut it down. Um, 
But I think one of my favorite prayer requests was coming. We were, again, asking for kids, hey, what's going on in your life? What can we pray for? And this one young lady, she raised her hand. Like, yeah, what can we pray for? And she goes, can you pray and ask God to finish my pool before summer? Like, sure, yeah, whatever. Let's just get through this now. Um, but you get prayer requests like this. And, and I, I remember this happening, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to pray for this. But I think, you know, there might be an angle here where we can pray about this. Because, as First John tells us also about prayer, it says, we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And maybe that's the question we should ask ourselves in prayer. That's the litmus test in which when we go to God, you know, is this something that I should be in prayer for? So we're going to play a game. Group participation is encouraged. We'll ask some questions. We'll put some situations up here, and we'll see what y'all think. I need a financial break to help my family. Do y'all think this pleases God? Yeah, I think so. I didn't put this one up here, but another one said, I need a financial break so I can get the new Lamborghini or the Ferrari I've always wanted. Yeah, probably not. Or this one that we asked earlier, I would like my pool to be finished by summer. Nah? I'm, I'll, I'll give it a strong maybe. What's your motive for having said pool? Is your motive that you just kind of want to hang out and be lazy and hang out in the pool all by yourself? Yeah. Or is your motive so that your pool gets done, so that family that you know going through some stuff down the street, you can have the kids over to come swim with you and you can build a relationship with them? Yeah, maybe. Next up, I want a relationship with my children who I haven't talked to in years. Yeah. How about this? I want positive outcome in my cancer diagnosis. Yeah. Or this last one. I need a break even though I probably don't deserve one. Yeah. I'd say so. But I think this, that last one, probably gets at the heart of maybe some of our prayer life. Maybe more than we realize. And it's this. You are deserving. If you don't hear anything else, if you've tuned everything out I've said in the whole sermon, I want you to hear this one thing. You are deserving of God's love. It's so easy. I do it all the time to focus on the negativity in our lives, the things we do wrong, the times we mess up, our sinfulness. It's nothing to gloss over, but I think it's very easy for us to focus only on the negative aspects. And oftentimes we end up in a place where we think that we are undeserving and we don't deserve God's love. So. We're going to do a little bit more participation, if you're willing. You don't have to. But we're going to put our own name into this sentence, and we're going to say it out loud. 
Here we go. Three, two, one. Will is deserving of God's love. We are humans. We do human things. God knows that we're going to mess up. We were knitted together in our mother's womb. God knows this. That's why we have Jesus. God knows we're going to mess up. And that's okay. We focus so much on the stuff we do wrong, we think, I don't deserve it. I got a history. I got a past. I lost my temper. I don't deserve this. But we do human things. We've got little ones at home. Oftentimes, I think my parenting is not very pastoral by some of the ways I lose my temper. We have Liam. He's three years old, and as we say, he's a three-nager. He does three-nager things, and he gets big feelings and big emotions, and he loses his temper, and he gets mad, and he gets frustrated, and then I get mad, and I get frustrated, and then I think, he's three. Yeah, he's going to do these things. We have our one-year-old, Alex. He does one-year-old things. Alicia, she's the cook in the family. She does it much better than I, so she likes to cook, and I get defensive of her. So when she cooks this great meal and she makes this cute little plate for Alex, and then Alex looks at it and we think, yes, eat up, young Kendust. You're going to grow up to be big and strong. And he takes the plate and he launches it. And you get frustrated, and I get defensive for her, and I think, Alex, come on. And they think, he's one. Our dog loves it. <laughs> she thinks it's great. Speaking of our dog, our dog does dog things. The other night, we threw away pizza, which I know is sinful, but different story. We had pizza, and we didn't close the lid, and so she goes over, and she didn't even really eat it. She just like very gently like took it out. It was like right at the top of the trash can. She just very gently took it out. She was just kind of holding on to it, like, Mila, get out of the trash. And then you're thinking, I'd probably do the same thing, kibbles and bits or pizza. I'm probably choosing pizza. We do human things. Dogs do dog things. Little kids do little kid things. And we get so caught up in our sinfulness that we forget that we are created in God's image. We are deserving of God's love. Going back to the very beginning of the Bible, chapter 1, it says this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. Us being the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, together, concurring, devoting ourselves to God. And as it says, in image and in likeness, in some translation, this is just two ways to express the same thing. It's a fact being reiterated. And then in the three ways, as John Wesley notes, founder of Methodism, he notes this. In three ways, we are created in God's image. And that is in our soul. That is in our place and authority here on earth to rule over the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea. And then lastly, in purity and rectitude, as he writes. Not a, a word we use a lot, but meaning morally correct behavior or thinking. 
righteousness. We are created in God's image. We are deserving of God's love. We are encouraged to come to God and make our request be known because He loves us. And He wants the best for us. So, no, we're not encouraged to ask for things that give us and us alone pleasure, but to align with His will so that we can be in communion with Him. <clears throat> so what would that look like? What would that look like if we were in line with God's will? Or maybe a better question is, how do we get into that? A lot of the times when we do prayer, there's a lot of talking going on, but maybe not a lot of the other stuff. There's a TV show I was just watching the other night, and it's a show, it has these police officers, and there's these two cops, they're on this case, and you know how it typically goes, they don't like each other, but they're on this case together, and like, whatever, let's just get through this. Um, and they're having a conversation, and one of the cop is, cops is giving the other cop some trouble, razzing them, and they say, well, what do you do when you're lonely, you know, when you're feeling down on yourself? What do you do? And the one cop said, I pray. And the other cop's like, What? You pray? You? Rough and tough? You talk to God? And I braced myself because I didn't know where this was going to go. I think, oh boy, what are they going to say? And then the other cop said, no, I listen. Yeah, that's right. I think a lot of our prayer is talking, but I think it needs to be listening too. Listening to God in quiet and solitude, listening to God by reading the scriptures, listening to God through those who God has placed in our lives, listening to the urgings of the Holy Spirit that encourages us. A lot of listening. And when we think about that, we do have a renewed perspective. Our motives and our prayer do align with God's will in our life. So what would it look like if our dreams and visions were shaped by a genuine desire to please God and our future filled with blessings that glorify Him and benefit not just ourselves, but those around us as well? Amen? Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you love us, that you want a relationship with us, that we are encouraged to have a relationship with you. God, as we went through this time together, maybe coming up into contact with this thought, this idea that we are deserving of your love for the first time or for the hundredth time, as difficult as it may be, may we know that we are loved, we are cherished. Your desire is to be in relationship with you. For all that, we give you thanks. Amen.